Section 34 of The Catholic's Ready Answer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Twinkle. The Catholic's Ready Answer by Rev. M. P. Hill. Section 34. The Eucharist. The Catholic Doctrine Rational. Objections. The Catholic doctrine of the Eucharist is repugnant to reason, for it is irrational to suppose that a body can be in two or more places at once, or that the body of the Lord can be contained within the compass of a host, or that the accidents of bread and wine, that is, color, figure, taste, can remain without the substance of bread and wine. The Answer these things are indeed wonderful, but not too wonderful to be true, at least where God's omnipotence is concerned. With God all things are possible. We grant, of course, that when an effect is intrinsically impossible, that is, when the very notion of it involves a contradiction or an absurdity, it is no reflection on God's omnipotence to say that he cannot produce it. Now, this intrinsic absurdity is precisely what is asserted by those who urge the above objection. The nature of bodily substance, they tell us, makes the wonders of the Blessed Sacrament impossible. When our critics come to this point, we would advise them to move slowly, for they are treading on dangerous ground. What is there in the nature of bodies incompatible with Catholic teaching? To say that the constitution of matter is a contradiction of the real presence implies that we know what the constitution of matter is. But do we really possess such knowledge? The revealed doctrine of the real presence does throw some light on the subject, but it must be acknowledged that the unaided intellect, whilst exhibiting a remarkable acuteness in investigating the properties of matter, is utterly baffled when it attempts to get at its inner nature or essence. Is it possible, some will query, that we are ignorant of the nature of our bodies? Can we not resolve them into their elements? Have we no knowledge of atoms or of molecules, to say nothing of electrons? Granted the knowledge, such as it is, what is the ultimate constitution of these so-called elements? Is there no mystery in that quarter? No? Then, with all due respect to our critic, we must say that he has not begun to philosophize in earnest. The first fruits of reflection on this subject should be the impression that we are dealing with the thing about which neither the chemist nor the physicist can say the last word. The question regards the nature and intrinsic constitution of those smallest components of material substances which the physical scientist has done with as soon as he has discovered them, if he has discovered them at all, and which he must hand over to the rational philosopher to be investigated, if they are to be investigated at all. Now, what can the philosopher tell us about the nature of these ultimate elements of matter? The great scholastic authorities so long as they follow in the wake of revelation, that is, 
so long as they teach what is implied in the doctrine of the real presence, can be followed with security when they discourse upon matter and extension, substance and accident. Their further speculations, deep and searching as they are, illustrate the impalpable nature of the subject they attempt to discuss. The great scholastics, of course, teach nothing that gives a handle to unbelief. On the contrary, their writings are the great bulwark, on the side of reason, of the dogma of the Blessed Sacrament. Our concern is, therefore, chiefly with those more modern philosophers who have turned their backs on the old philosophy and are principally distinguished for their originality and the hardihood of their speculation. The Spinozas, the Descartes, the Leibnitzes, the Locks, and the Kants of more recent centuries. The most important thing to be noted about this large group of philosophers is that they differ so much that we cannot appeal to their views in the aggregate as to a philosophy which in the main is one, but differentiated in some particulars. Down to a few centuries ago, there was a philosophy held by most thinkers in Christendom. Today, even in regard to the most fundamental questions, we may almost say there are as many opinions as there are heads to carry them. There are philosophies, but no philosophy. If philosophy is a science, it must be one and not manifold. It is absurd, then, to appeal to modern philosophy against the doctrine of the Eucharist. Modern philosophy is a term without a meaning, except as designating a mass of divergent systems of thought. Among the great bones of contention that divide our modern philosophers, the notions of substance and accident, matter and extension, are among the more conspicuous. On these subjects, the philosophers differ fundamentally. With some, extension is the very pith of bodily substance. With others, bodily substance, in its ultimate analysis, does not include extension at all. In fact, it is resolvable into unextended forces, Leibniz and Kant. We may remark, in passing, that whatever be the merits of the latter system, those who adopt it should have no difficulty in accepting the dogma of the Eucharist, according to which, although the species of bread present to the senses the phenomenon of extension, the underlying substance of the Lord's body is without local or dimensional extension. Whether one be willing or not to subscribe to Cardinal Newman's words when he asks, What do I know of substance or matter? and answers, Just as much as the greatest philosophers, and that is nothing at all. One thing is certain, and that is that the philosophers can teach with certainty absolutely nothing that militates against the miracles of the Blessed Sacrament. They know, of course, that a body in its natural state has an external or local extension, requiring that it occupy a space of certain dimensions, and only one such space, but they cannot demonstrate that the contrary is impossible, at least by miracle. Attempts to do so will resolve themselves into unreasoning appeals to common sense, and common sense was never a deep philosopher.
Philosophers know that the accidents of a body naturally inhere its substance. Concrete hardness, roundness, whiteness are not found except in some concrete substance which is described as hard, round, and white. But, absolutely speaking, cannot these sensible qualities be separated from their substances? Cannot the phenomenon of hardness, roundness, or whiteness appear without the substance? Cannot the species of bread, for instance, appear without the substance of bread? To this question, common sense says, no. True philosophy says, I know nothing to the contrary. The assertion, then, is quite gratuitous that the Catholic doctrine of the Eucharist is repugnant to reason, for if it cannot be proved to be contrary to sound philosophy, it cannot be proved to be contrary to reason. End of section 34